2 Corinthians chapter 8, and I just want to begin with um, verse 7, verse 7, and we will look at verses 1 through 11 before we're all said and done, but I want to begin with verse 7. Here's what the scripture says. As ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace. This grace that he's talking about is the grace of giving. See that ye abound in this grace also. Father, I need you to help me as I preach to your people about what I believe you'd have us to do, and that is to be giving people who have been given so much. Help us to turn around and give that to other people. Be good stewards of what you've given to us. Lord, I need you to do two things. I need you to, first of all, help me to say what's here in the text and I've got all kinds of opinions and all that. Would you get that out of the way and help me to show them what you say? But second of all, Lord, would you take your word and help it to find its place in the hearts of these men and women that are here? I believe that your word is powerful, but it's you're the one that has the power to make your word do its work. Please do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul wants the Corinthian church here to enjoy the blessings of being in Christ. And, and I want to go ahead and tell y'all, I want to echo that to you. First of all, I thank you, those of you that are visiting, the, the family that are visiting, appreciate y'all being here. I hope I can help you this morning too. Uh, but I, I'm really asking for anybody who's under the sound of my voice this morning to, to hear that I really want you to be blessed of the Lord, to the blessings of being in Christ. Um, he, he said, that's why I read in verse seven, he says, listen guys, you already have a whole lot. He says, you abound in everything. He says, you are excelling in so much. And, and I, I want to talk to North Beaver Baptist Church right now. And I mean this, what I'm about to tell you, there is so much that this church has that is that we're that we're doing the right things. I think that I think that there is um, a, a reverence for the Lord. There's a love for Christ. I think there's a genuine love for people. I think we sometimes can be a little limited in our in our faith sometimes because I think God can do better, bigger, better things than we can even imagine that He can do. But I believe there's there's a genuine faith that God can through us. I believe exactly what Paul says about the Corinthian church that there's faith that there's faith here, that there's people who have faith in Christ. There's speech. I know, he says, this is what he says there uh, in verse seven, utterance is the word he uses. I know that there are people in this church who share the gospel with their coworkers, with, uh, with their family members, with their neighbors. If it, I know that that happens. I know that that happens. And I believe that's what he was saying about the Corinthian church. I know there are people in this church, this may not be true of everybody in this congregation, but I know that there's enough people in this church that know more, rather if I could say it this way, they have forgotten more about the Bible than I know. What I'm trying to say is they know so much because there are several people in this congregation who have decades of knowledge of the Lord, and I am grateful for having that in our congregation. He talks about diligence there. And I believe that there are some hard workers, and I know that in this church that's true. There are some people who will put their hand to the plow to do the work of the Lord. Thank the Lord for that. And he goes on to say that they're, uh, in their love to us. I, I, I know that y'all love me. 
I know that y'all love each other. There might be one or two of y'all that might want to fight and fuss sometimes, but nonetheless, we're no, just we all love each other. We do. There's a, there's a real love that's here. I really do believe that there's a real love here. All of that's to say that we are, like the Corinthian church, we are excelling. Do you hear me? We are excelling. We are abounding. However, there's something that Paul wants this church to have and I want y'all to know I want this church to have it too. If you'll go back to me with me in verse one, where he's starting out his thought, he says, moreover, brethren, so he's talking to the Corinthian church, we do you to wit. I don't talk like that. You don't talk like that. But what he means there, he says, I want you to know. That's what he means. We do you to wit. We want you to know. I want you to know, I do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. He says, I want you to know about some grace. You've got all these things going for you. These things are going right. You've got love. You work hard. You, you have faith. You, 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 you share the gospel. But there's something that there's another church over here that's got that I want y'all to have too. That's what he's saying, that the Lord's blessed them in this way. He says there that I want you to know about this grace. Now, what is that grace? Well, that grace as it's referred to in multiple times here, it's called grace three times in verse one, in verse six, and in verse seven. He refers to it as grace, and I can just go ahead and tell you, we'll read these verses, but he's talking about that these churches in Macedonia gave to other people. They took of the, the wealth, the resources that God had blessed them with, and they gave it to other people. That's the grace that he's saying. He's saying, listen, church, I know that you have so many things, and these are all good things. These are things that would be for any church, the envy of a church to have. You want this in your church. Faith, diligence, utterance, knowledge. You want love. These are things you want to have. But he says there's one thing that you need that I want you to know about, and that is giving. And I want this for North Beaver Baptist Church as well. And I want you to see that he shows an example of this church in Macedonia, or these churches in Macedonia, who, by the way, it's interesting that they're some, not only poor churches, you'll see that in just a minute, but they are, they are Gentile churches. And you know what those Gentile churches do? They actually give money to the Jerusalem church, the Jewish church. So you're talking about cross-racial divides they are actually going and saying, we don't have anything, but we're going to not only help without, with money we don't have, but we're going to help people that on the world's way of looking at it, we would not naturally be helping. In fact, we would naturally be enemies, but we're going to, we're going to actually help these people. And I believe in giving us this example, what he's doing is he's giving us some insight into what giving really is about. And I want to show you a couple of thoughts from this in this passage. First of all, giving is not dependent on your ability to give. I, I, I can tell you how I give. I'm just being honest with you. How much, how much do I have? How much do I need? How much do I really want? And here's whatever's left, and maybe I might give some of that. That's how I give. Okay? Y'all don't give that way, do you? Y'all just give straight off the top. Whatever I <laughs> What we do is we look at what we got, and then we say, how much of that can 
idea. And the reason we do that is, one, we're human beings. We're, we're not stupid. That's just how we think about things. This is the right way to do it. But please understand that your giving isn't dependent necessarily on your abilities. It is ultimately dependent on your desire to do it. I want you to see this. In the Macedonian church, if you go to verse 2, it talks about that it's in their great trial of affliction and the abundance of their joy and the deep poverty abounded unto the great riches of their liberality. A couple things about this church. I already told you they're a Gentile church talking or given to a Jewish church. But first of all, they are in a position, they are in no position to give at all. Do y'all know where the, the, the church started? It didn't start in Macedonia. Macedonia, if y'all don't know your geography very well, Macedonia is basically, they're, they're, they're in Greece. They're basically in Europe for all intents and purposes. They're in Europe. This church that they're giving to is Jerusalem. That's the, they might call it the mother church. That's where it all started. That's where it got started. So you've got a church that has been planted. We, the language we use today is church plant. This will be a church plant out of the Jerusalem church. And they say, you know what? Let's try to help Jerusalem out. Now, I don't know if y'all know how that works, but that's not how that works. That's not how that works. What normally happens in today, I'm just going to use today's language. In today, if we were to say, let's plant a church somewhere, we would send money to, those, to that church. We'd send them resources. We'd maybe even send them a pastor or something. And then when they needed something, call back, hey, North Beaver, we need some help. That's how that would work. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when you send your kids off uh, after they leave the house. You know, you send them with all that you can think to send them, and then you send them some more, and then they call you and say, "Hey, mom, I'm sick. I'm in the hospital. Can you come help me?" Like Vanessa's about to go do for Eli. Uh, it just that—that's just what—that's the way it's supposed to work. But the reason I tell you that is because here is a church plant that's going back to the home base and saying, "Y'all need some help. Let me help you." It's not the way it's supposed to work. They're also, as he says, they're under great trial of affliction. They are under persecution. They are in a pagan city that has no love for the church, yet they are sitting there saying, I know that we're under affliction, we're under persecution, but we're going to go back and help Jerusalem. And, he says there, their deep poverty, their deep poverty, they do not have enough. They are in deep poverty. This is not to suggest that they just, they're, they're meeting their budget and they only have a little bit left over. Or they're only able to put a little, that's not what this is. Deep poverty. They do not have enough to cover the bills. That's what poverty is. I don't know if any of y'all have ever experienced or seen poverty, but you know when you're in that, this is not a situation where you got, you just don't have enough to go and do a lot of extra. That's not what, they, this is where you don't have enough to keep the lights on. That's what we're talking about when we says poverty. But he says in this situation of affliction and poverty, it says there that it abounded unto the riches of their liberality. It turned into rich generosity. Here's a church, as he says there in verse three, for to their power, I bear record, yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Here's a church that's punching above its weight in terms of its giving capabilities. If you were to look at the finances of this church, you would say, Hey guys, I think we're probably gonna have to shut this thing down. That's what they were they would have said. That's what you and I would have said. But because there was something going on there, they were not only able to keep the lights on, they were able to actually turn around and give more than they could even imagine that they could give and give that to help a church out. And it says there, it talks about their rich liberality. 
And so it's about uh, riches of their liberality. What made the difference? I think there's two phrases here, and verse three is one of them. Excuse me, verse, yeah, verse three is one of them. He says there that they were willing of themselves. That last phrase, willing of themselves. You know what? I don't think it happened at Macedonia. I don't think that some evangelist went through the area and said, you bunch of heathens and hypocrites, y'all need to give more money. I don't think that Paul even, in fact, you'll see in just a moment, I don't think that Paul even said, hey guys, if you could just spare it out. I don't think that anybody came knocking on their door, begging them, would you please get, making them feel bad, putting them on a guilt trip. I don't think any of that happened. These people gave because they wanted to give. They were willing of themselves. They made a decision in their heart, this is what I want to do, and we're going to make it work. My pastor, Pastor uh, uh, Chuck Perkins, he says, a statement that's so, so profound, you'll, you'll, you've heard, this, this is not the most profound thing, it's just so simple and so basic, but it's so important. People do what people want to do. You do that too, don't you? Whatever it is you want to do, somehow, some way, we can find a way to do it. Can we? When people want to give, you know what? It's a funny thing. When you want to give, you know what happens? You find a way to do it. So it starts with desire. It starts with desire. In fact, he even goes in verse 4. He says, this is Paul talking. He says, they were praying us with much entreaty. They were begging us. Begging us that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. This Macedonian church, they called Paul up and said, hey, could you please let us have the pleasure of being part of this work that we know is going on back in Jerusalem? Could you please let us do this? And here's Paul saying, guys, are you sure about this? I mean, you've, you've, you've had this happen before. Somebody come up to you and say, I, I want to help with something. And, and, they, and you're just like, I don't know if you can afford to help with this. And Paul's sitting there making that judgment. I don't know if you can afford this. And, and they said, no, 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 we want to do this. This is what we want to do. This is why, and it's over in chapter 9 and verse 8. This is why Paul writes later that every man needs to purpose in his heart what he's going to give. Not grudgingly, not of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. I'm going to say this is Matthew talking. I'm going to step as far away from the pulpit as I possibly can without making that thing ring at me. But I'm going to step away from the pulpit. I want you to know this is Matthew's opinion here. But I want to tell you, I'd rather you keep your money, never give another dime to this church, if the only reason you're doing it is because you think you have to do it. If, on the other hand, you are giving what you're giving because you love the Lord and you love his church and you want to be part of his ministry and what he is doing here at North Fever, please give everything you want to give. But if you're doing it because you think I'm looking over your shoulder, well, Matthew knew I wasn't giving anything. He'd be mad at me. Please just stop. I, I don't care. I'm, I really do not care. I do not want to know what you give. I do not want to know about it. That's not the, that's not the point. I would rather you keep your money than for you to do it because you feel like you're obligated to do that. Stop. We need to know that we can do more than we could ever imagine if we will start, not because we have the ability to do it, but because we have the desire to do it. So the first part of the grace of giving is this desire to give. Now, the second thing he says is that 
this is an important point, is that your generosity really isn't about your money. Now, I can tell a lot about, you can tell a lot about my money, or rather, you can tell a lot about my heart by looking at where I spend my money. I can do the same thing with you. I can look at your checkbook, your credit card, or wherever it is, your, 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 your credits and debits, and I can tell, you can tell with me, what's important to somebody. You can just tell that. That's just, you know this. I, you can, if we could tell what you spent money on in the last 30 days, we can tell where your heart is. It's just true. Where you spend your money is where you care. So ultimately, your, but your, ultimately your generosity doesn't start with your money. In fact, look what happens in verse five. Verse five, he says, and this they did, not as we hoped. So what did they do? They gave the money. They were part of the ministry there in verse four. They did this, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Notice what's happening here. This does not start with them saying, well, let's see how much money we got. Let's go ahead and let's, okay, we think we can afford to give this much. Let's give that away. That's what we're going to do. That's not where it starts. It doesn't start with a budget. It doesn't start with an accounting. It doesn't start with an evaluation of their finances. That is not where this starts. And I want you to know that your generosity, your giving, cannot start with how much money do I have in the bank. If that's where it starts, I'll tell you, can I just be honest with you? I can't ever have enough money in the bank. And you can say, well, Matthew, you're greedy. Well, maybe. But I'm just telling you, you can't give me enough money because I can tell you, I've got places for it to go before I ever get it. That's just my, that's how my budgeting works. So if I look at my money, I can tell you right now, I'm right off the top, not going to give. Not going to do it. If I'm looking at my money, I can't start with my money. You know where I have to start? First of all, he says that the church at Macedonia started first by giving themselves to God. They dedicated themselves to God without reservation. In other words, they said, whatever I am, whoever I am, whatever I've got, Lord, it's yours. That's what they did first. The best illustration I can give you of this is my dedication to Vanessa. She ain't here, so y'all can tell her I said sweet things about her if you want to. Or you can tell her I told, said ugly things. Whatever you want to do, you can do it because she ain't here. She can't, she can't, I can't defend myself. But I'm going to tell you, I have, at one point in my life, I dedicated myself to my wife. What I mean by that is to the point where everything I have is hers. Now, she'll tell you this, by the way, that everything I have is hers and everything she's got is hers. But it's all hers. <laughs> I have dedicated everything I have to her. Now, now I'd like to, I'd like to, from time to time, buy her a little thing or give her a little something. But at the end of the day, it's all hers. And I, and I, there's just no two ways about it. It's hers. There's not mine and hers. It's hers. It's all ours. It's hers. It's for her. And I, and I try to give myself that way. So the, the reason I bring this up is because I'm not sitting off on the side saying, well, what can I calculate so that I can show my love to my wife? What can I give to her? Yeah, I'm going to try to give her gifts from time to time. But at the base of it all, everything I am is hers. And if that doesn't, if that's not true, and y'all can argue if it ain't, it's true or not, but I'm telling you, if that's not true of Matthew Tilly, my marriage is not going to last very long, or if it is, it's not going to be very fun. I can tell you that right now. So the point I'm trying to get at is that at some point, we have to give not of the thing, but of ourselves. We have to start there. And then what happens, look at what he says in verse 5. He says, they first gave them their own selves to the Lord, and then what happens after that? And unto us 
by the will of God. He says, first it starts by they gave themselves to God and said, no reservations. Everything I am is yours, God. And then the thing that follows is they give themselves to the church. And he says it's by the will of God, meaning they're not doing this because it's God and then the church. No, they're saying it's all God. Now, God, what do you want me to do? And what is God's will? God says, I want you to give it to the church. Do you see how that flows there? They're giving themselves to God and then God is directing them. If, you'll, if you will devote yourself to God without reservation, he's going to put it to good use. And I believe amazing things will happen. There's a story that's been told many times. Y'all may have heard it before, but uh, D.L. Moody, who's a preacher in Chicago about 100 years ago, give or take, um, heard an evangelist when he was in, in England uh, by the name of Henry Varley. And Henry Varley said something to the effect of that the world has yet to see what God can do through a man who is yielded totally to him. And D.L. Moody, he heard that preacher say that, and he said, by God's grace, I will be that man. Now, I don't know what all you know about D.L. Moody, but he had a pretty significant impact in this country uh, in his time, and continues to some extent even to today. And I'm not trying to glorify D.L. Moody, although he was a great man of God. I think God used him. I think he is simply an example of what God can and will do through a man or a woman for that matter. I'm not trying to make it just about men. It's men and women. He will work through anybody if we will devote ourselves to him. The problem is too many of us are deciding how much we're going to give to the Lord based on what's sitting in the bank, what is sitting in our, in our, our net assets, what is sitting in our disposal. Instead of saying, Lord, this is what I got. It's all yours. You are not a free agent, Christian. You're not a free agent. You are a steward of God. He has put you on the payroll. Anything he has given you, I don't care if it's a dollar bill or if it's a house or it's a job or if it's a good personality or some good looks. I don't care what he's given to you. If he's given it to you, he is not given it to you. If you're a Christian, he is not given it to you for you to do on your own desires and lusts. He has given it to you to use for his glory. And your job, Christian, is to take that and say, thank you, Lord. Now, everything I got is yours. And then what God will do then is he will take your little bit of nothing and he'll turn it into a whole lot of something. This is what y'all got to hear me real clear. I'm not doing this stuff that the guys on television talk about where you give your seed and God will bless you. That's not what I'm, that's not the garbage that I'm talking about. I'm talking about you give your seed and God will bless you, but you know what he's going to do? He's going to give it to you so you'll give it away. Not so you can accumulate wealth. He will give you what he wants you to use for the advancement of his kingdom. I think the reason that I'm not seeing and that some of you are not seeing God do amazing things is because we're sitting on the sideline and saying, let me tip you a little bit, God, and let me see what you can do with that little tip. I'm not seeing much. I'm not going to give my money anymore. Instead, what we've got to do is go ahead and get ourselves whole hog on the table. Lord, here we are. What are you going to do? If you don't want to do anything, that's your right. But this is yours. It's all yours. When we totally dedicate ourselves to the Lord. I want to move along here because I'm running out of time, but y'all hang with me for just a second. 
I do want to notice here that this giving is not about money necessarily. It is about devotion, as I was talking about. But it's also, I want to make sure that you don't hear me say that this giving is necessarily a command. There are some commands in Scripture about us giving, but don't think about this primarily as a command. In fact, if you go back to uh, in uh, verse 6, he, he's talking about Titus. He says, we desired Titus, and Titus was a pastor. He said that he had, that as he had begun, so he would finish in you the same grace also. Uh, apparently, Titus had maybe gotten going on doing some kind of a giving program or something. I don't know what all that happened there. But apparently, Titus had gotten something started with the church at Corinth. And he says, I, I want you, I really want you to experience the grace of God. And, and I know you're considering giving, but... You've got, to, you've got to experience this thing. You've got to go ahead and, and do this because he says in verse 7, that's what I already read to you, you abound in all these other graces, but see that you abound in this grace also. I know you've got some stuff started, but I need you to, I want you to enjoy this, this grace of God. But look at what he says in verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. He's saying, folks, I'm not trying to get you to give because you have to. I want you to give because it's a blessing to you when you get on board with what God is doing. Not blessing you, by the way, like these fat cats on TV is trying to tell you to do. Put money in the offer plate and God's going to give you a new suit and a new car. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about blessing in that you're going to give to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm all yours. You can do whatever you want to. And you're going to get to see fruit for the kingdom of God. Not the stuff that'll burn up like wood, hay, and stubble. But we're talking about the gold and silver of young people coming to Jesus Christ. We're seeing a legacy of families that are brought back together because of the, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we get to see. We get to see North Beaver Baptist Church continue to fill out the great, fulfill the great commission that Jesus, our Savior, gave to us. Some of the things that y'all can remember from years in the past about what God has done here in this church, in this congregation, we get to see more of that again. That's the kind of blessing I'm talking about. But if we are on the sideline and saying, well, I got to give. Man, I better give 10%. If I don't give 10%, God's going to get mad at me. If you have that attitude about things, you're not going to get the blessing because that's missing the point of giving. He says it's not about a commandment. He says it's instead to prove the sincerity of your love. It is the opportunity to let God's work in you be on display to the rest of the world. That's what it does. That's what it does. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples by the love you have one for another. So let me just close here because I got I to gotta wrap up. How are we going to respond to that? Gives us some indication of how to respond to that. I want you to look with me in verse 9. It's funny how he's been talking about giving, but then he seems like he changes gears in verse 9 where he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That ye, through his poverty, might be rich. I think what Paul's asking, the way I would ask it is, have you even experienced the grace of God at all? Have you even experienced it at all? You understand that Jesus had everything and he gave up everything so that you who had nothing could then have everything. 
And you say, well, Matthew, you don't understand. You know, I, I owe these people and I gotta do this. And y'all, if y'all you're thinking about is what you got in the bank, you have missed the point of the Christian life. This is not about 2023. This is about trillions of years to come that God has invested in you, eternity in you, and you get to be on his side. You get to acknowledge him. You get to work with him. He says, I'm giving you everything. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You are those that can show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who you are as a Christian. That's what you get. And because of that, if you've experienced that, then it changes some things for you. Now, if you haven't experienced it, let me just stop right here and say there's a generous offer that the Lord Jesus has offered to you. He has offered everything to you because he's died on the cross for your sins. He's offered that generous offering. Please accept it. But if you've accepted that, if you've experienced that grace, then it's time to pursue the grace of generosity, which is what he says in verse 10. And herein I give my advice. He says, because of that, I got some advice for you. For this is expedient for you. This is good for you. This is appropriate. It is proper. It is right. It's the best thing for you. Who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. He says, I know y'all thinking about it. I know you've talked about it. I know you've got a meeting about it. I know you're going to vote on it as a congregation. I know all the things you're going to do. But he says, verse 11, now, therefore, perform the doing of it. He says, go do it. Quit talking about it. Quit thinking about it. Quit negotiating about it. Quit looking for a good time. Get in on it. It's time to begin the work. It's time to do it. It's time to stop thinking about it, to say, listen, the Lord Jesus Christ was not stuttering and staunch, stammering, waiting to get on the cross. No, what does he do? He went to the cross, as the writer of Hebrews says, he went with joy. He went to it. It's my turn, my time. He's invested in me. He's given me everything. So now it's time to give up my, my, my time, my money, my appreciation, my love, and my concern, and my possessions, and my skill, and my ability. It's time to step, stop saying, well, one of these days I'm going to do that. Let me figure that out. It's time to get in now. Get and doing it now. Do you value Christ's generous gift enough to respond with a heart of thanksgiving.